Thank you, Keith and choir. What a great way to worship the Lord. Well, I doubt that uh, God could have put a more unpopular subject on my heart to preach today than the one he's given me. But I'm going to obey his command. Sin is not a popular topic. It certainly is not politically correct, and I'm sad to say that we may even see here in America legislation that will come that might make it a sin to talk about, to preach about certain sins. But sin is a serious matter. If you check out the Bible, it is mentioned more than 500 times. So it's obviously a topic that's important in God's Word. Sin is described as breaking God's law. It is rebellion against God. I like what Henry Blackaby wrote about this. He said, It is a dangerous thing to live your life without a spiritual plumb line or standard by which you determine right and wrong. I personally believe this is at the root of our problem as a country and even in the faith of Christians. I believe that we have lost, many people have lost their understanding of what's absolute truth. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? We need to understand that spiritual truths, spiritual laws, much like physical laws and spiritual truths, are there to offer us protection, not to restrict us. Now, let me ask you this morning on this first day of New Year to consider how you're doing in living your life in the plumb line of God's Word. I have three questions to ask you that might help you to decide whether this is a problem for you, whether or not you're living outside of the plumb line of the truths of God's Word. The first question is this. Have you lost the joy you once knew as a Christian? Do you have the same type of joy today that you had last year? Second, has your prayer life become nothing more than an empty ritual? Maybe making it to the top of the ceiling, maybe not. Third, is God's Word lacking in meaning? Has it become nothing more than a spiritual sleeping pill? You open it up, start reading, best way to go to sleep. Where are you today? How are you doing? These may be signs that you are not dealing properly with failure, with unconfessed sin in your life. So I want you to examine, I want you really to let the Spirit of God examine your life as we begin a new year. Uh, I've got good news for you. God's Word has an answer. He has a word of encouragement to show us how to deal with unconfessed sin, how to deal with failure in our lives. It's focused in three simple words that you can easily remember. Admit, ask, and accept. And we're going to look at those three words in God's Word, Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. 
through my groaning all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to thee. And my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And thou didst forgive the guilt of my sin. These are words from King David. Of whom God said this in Acts chapter 13 verse 22. I have found David the son of Jesse a man after my own heart who will do all my will. What was David's strength? Obviously, God was telling us here, what was David's strength? It was his heart for God. And yet, where did David fail? Right here at his spiritual strength. Oswald Chambers wrote many years ago, unguarded strength is double weakness. So many people may tell you to watch your weaknesses. I encourage us to watch our strengths. Because as I've studied God's Word, I have found God's great heroes of the faith have failed more in their areas of strength than they have even in their areas of weakness. Just track it out. Go check out. I've told you this before, but do it again. Look at Hebrews 11 and track down the heroes of faith. And see where they failed. It was most of the time in their areas of strength. So using Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, I want to give you some handles, some help this morning. So the beginning of a new year, you can deal with failure. You can deal with sin. And it begins by admitting your guilt. This is what David said in Psalm 32 verse 5. I acknowledged, I finally did it, I acknowledged my sin to thee, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and thou didst forgive the guilt of my sin. David stopped trying to explain, he stopped trying to justify his sin, his personal failure. And that's a good starting point. I believe it is the starting point if we want to learn to deal with failure, if we want to learn to deal with sin. David wrote in verse 3 of Psalm 32, When I kept silent, and those, most of us know this by experience, when we keep silent, as David did for a while, my body wasted away. Are you today suffering even physically? Because you will not deal with failure in your own life. You will not deal with sin. Do like David. What he said in verse 5a, I acknowledge my sin. I mean, call a spade a spade. Lord, I'm not going to try to nuance this. I have sinned against you. I'm going to come clean. David made a confession of sin. There was no other way to get around it to describe his failure. Many of us in this area particularly remember Jim Baker. Ran the PTL ministry. Had a great ministry up in North Carolina. I give Jim credit when he wrote his book. I don't know how many of you have read it. But when he finally dealt with his failure, when he finally dealt with his sin, here was the title of his book, I Was Wrong. He came clean. I read his book. He admitted he had sinned against you. And I ask you to get... I ask you today, 
Have you sinned against God? Is there open, unconfessed sin in your life? Has the Holy Spirit been convicting you, dealing with you, that there are areas in your life that are not within the plumb line of God's Word? A good starting point is right now, today, admit your guilt. Agree with God. What you say is sin, regardless of what the world says. I believe your word is true. You know, I actually had a man many years ago. He was a member of our church. It was back when I was here the first time. He walked up to me after a service and he said, You need to have more integrity when you're preaching. I said, Okay, that's a pretty good slap in the face. Yes, sir. What did I do wrong? You'll find his answer challenging. You call the Bible the Word of God. I did. I admit I did it. I said, well, what should I say? (laughs) That's coming off. He said, it contains the Word of God. I said, so you're telling me that it's not all true. Well, you you obviously know it's not. You've read it. I challenged him. He didn't respond to it. But I said, we go home to the today, this week, cut out all the parts that you don't believe are right and bring it back and let me look at them. Didn't do it. You see, I accept the Bible as God's Word. It is the plumb line by which I will direct my life and live it. And so I'm willing to step up and admit when I've sinned and call it what it is and admit it to God. And that's the beginning point. And if you've done that, you're ready for the second A word, to ask for God's forgiveness. He encourages us to do this. The basis of this request is over in Psalm 51 in verse 11. David wrote, Be gracious to me, O God, not because I'm king, not because of what you will say one day over in the book of Acts, but he said, Be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy compassion. When we ask God's forgiveness, we ask Him as though, in the same way that David did, we pray, wash us thoroughly from iniquity. Did you know that only God can cleanse us of sin? You can't do enough good works to cleanse yourself of the sin that's in your life. You can't make enough New Year's resolutions that will absolve you of the guilt of sin. But the Bible gives an answer in 1 John chapter 1, the B part of verse 7 said, The blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. My friends, are you willing to ask God's forgiveness and accept it based on the Word of God according to the blood of Jesus Christ? He invites you... In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us for sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we've got to come to God and admit it. And if we do and we ask His forgiveness, not on our good works or on our merits or what we've done or what we give, but on His grace and grace alone, He's willing to forgive us. And then we ought to be like David and pray in Psalm 51:10. God created me, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit. God answered that prayer of David. He forgave his sins, and he used them in kingdom work. Now, he carried the baggage for sins, and that is one of the, the things that we get confused with. 
when God forgives us, there are still consequences that go on. So you don't want to sin and say, well, I'll just confess it to God and he'll forgive me and everything's okay. It'll be all right. But look at David's life from that point in his life to the end of his life. It was one problem after another, although it still says in Acts chapter 13, David is a man after my own heart. God's willing to forgive him. God's willing to forgive you. There is no sin. You know, there is, a, there is one unpardonable sin, and only one, to reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is no other. Just read through the Bible. Read through Hebrews 11 and see the various people that are mentioned in God's Word. The heroes of the faith. There's people that lied. There's a harlot. There's a prostitute. There's a cheater. There's a murderer. I mean, I hadn't even done some of those things. But God forgave them. He had them. I mean, of all of them, I've told you this before, still struggle with it. But God put him in there. So I guess that makes it pretty good for us. Guess who showed up in the Hall of Fame of Faith? Samson. He pretty well blew it in life, and yet the final prayer was answered by God. He let him bring down the walls of that temple and kill so many people to restore him and to use him in a great way there at the end of his life. God was willing to forgive. God is willing to forgive you. You cannot have sinned too much. But you've got to start by asking him to forgive you. And you've got to ask him to forgive you of a sin. You're not glossing it over. You're not trying to say, well, I didn't do this as bad as that per God, I'm guilty. I've sinned. I admit it. And I'm going to ask for you to forgive me. And name it to him. I think it helps us appreciate God's forgiveness when we say, God, I I've, had, uh, I've had evil thoughts. I've disliked this person. I've hated this person. I can't forgive this person. Lord, you have forgiven me. You have loved me. And I can forgive and love in the same way that you can as I admit my problem is a sin problem. I've been disobeying you, so I'm bringing it to you, God. I'm going to admit it, and I'm going to ask you to forgive me. And then the good news this morning, as you get ready to leave here the first Sunday of the new year, is to promise you that number three is that we will accept God's restoration. Look in Psalm 51, verses 12 and 13. Psalm 51, verses 12 and 13. David dared to pray and dared to write, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit then I will teach transgressors thy way, and sinners will be converted to thee. Notice carefully. Read it very carefully. What did David pray? Restore the joy of thy salvation, and to sustain him with a willing spirit. Now, when Christians sin, and we do, we do not lose our salvation. Do you realize that if, if we could lose our salvation, do you realize what that means? It means that Jesus has got to go back to the cross. He's the basis of forgiveness. He's the basis of the offer of the gift of eternal life. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, For by one offering, 
not multiple offerings, for by one offering he, speaking of Jesus, has perfected for all times those who are sanctified. Now, people struggle with salvation, the eternal gift of, of life. They wonder, can I sin and, and lose it? Well, you've got to go back and ask yourself, how would you get it? And truth is, many of the denominations who teach that you can fall from grace do not believe in salvation by grace through faith and that alone. Now, it's true we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, and there should be good works. We should see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, but those are not the things that saved us. Those are the byproducts of salvation. Now, if you believe that you did good works to save yourself, then I guess logically you would think you could do enough good works to save yourself and to keep you saved, or you could do certain bad works that would cause you to lose your salvation. But I believe most of us here today, those listening by television, would admit it's by grace through faith. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. For, for by one offering, Christ died to sanctify all of us forever. And then Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, 39, the B part, he said, nothing and if you read chapter 8, you'll see he listed a lot of things. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He didn't leave any room for wiggle. He said nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, we can lose our joy as Christians. We, we can lose our fellowship as Christians. The Word of God can become just another book to us when living a sinful life. But they can't take away the relationship. You see, we have an eternal relationship made secure by Jesus Christ. He even said in John chapter 10, I have you in my hand and no one can snatch you out of my hand. And then he said, and the Father has you in his hands and no one can snatch you out of his hands. We are eternally secure. So we need not fear losing our salvation, but it is a fearful thing to lose the fellowship as a Christian because there's a different dynamic that is lacking in our lives when we lose that fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we need to understand that God wants to forgive us. He wants to restore our joy and our spiritual vitality. I don't know how many of you know him. I know him a little bit. He's a modern-day David. His name is Dr. Gordon MacDonald. He was at one time the president of InterVarsity Press. Uh, he most recently was the chairman of World Relief. If you check Dr. MacDonald's resume, you will see that he was these things. He was a pastor, a speaker, a writer of numerous books, and a leader in churches. For more than 40 years. But Dr. McDonald, a brilliant man of God, fell in the same sad state as David. Dr. McDonald, by his own confession, committed adultery. He was unfaithful to his wife. He had to leave the ministry for a time, and he asked the Lord to forgive him, to cleanse him, to restore him. He came before God as a broken and contrite man. He writes in the book, he said he 
he wrote that he now had a degree, a Ph.D. in failure and humiliation, and he did. He lived with the consequences, but he lived with forgiveness. And he now has been restored to fellowship, and God granted him that request. And he has written a great book that's an encouragement to all of us who may stumble, maybe not in that area, but in some other way we stumble. And so we need to acknowledge that God restored him, and God wants to restore you. That's a great way to begin the new year. That's better than trying to make New Year's resolutions that you and I know that we seldom keep. I mean, we know that the gyms are going to be filled to overflowing. Gold Gym, Family Life Center, just going to have people. It's going to be difficult to get in there, and it's so sad because I like to get in there and kind of get on my bike and ride and ride and ride. But it's just going to be packed. We'll have to figure out other times to do it. But if I just wait six or seven weeks, <laughs> uh, we'll fall off the wagon. But you know what? When we come clean with God, I mean, we really do. We said, God, I, I sinned. I made a mess. And name it. Tell him, where did you make a mess in 2010? And God, I, I want to admit it to you. I want to ask for your forgiveness based on your grace and your mercy And I want you to restore me. I want to enter 2011 a restored saint. Someone with a new joy, with a new vitality, a new spiritual energy. But you know something I've omitted preaching when I've preached on this topic before, and I believe it has been a slight that I I need to correct today. I think that when we have been restored, we then have a stewardship responsibility. Look again in Psalm 51, verse 13. I think Dr. MacDonald would understand this. He said, Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted. It's not an easy thing to do, but there are times, and in the context, we need to do it in a proper way. We need to sometimes help somebody struggling in air. Look, I need to tell you, I've been there, done that. I've committed this particular sin. Maybe you don't even have to be explicit. I I committed a gross sin. And I went to God and admitted it. And I asked him to forgive me and cleanse me and restore my vitality and joy. And God did. And he'll do the same for you today. I, I don't care. Well, I do care. But in terms of judgment, it doesn't matter what you've done. God will take you right where you are sitting in the pew, sitting at home, listening to this message, will you just simply say, God, I've sinned, and this is it. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me. And I'm going to ask you to restore me spiritual vitality and give me back the joy of salvation. And he will do that because he's done it for me. So I'm giving you my testimony of the multitude of times God has said to restore to me the joy of salvation. But then a second thing is a stewardship responsibility. David said, and then, then people will be converted. You need to share your testimony. You need to share your faith. We talk about having a, a great commission in Sunday school. It's not going to happen until it becomes true in your life. You need to be telling people about your personal relationship in Jesus Christ. When was the last time 
you shared your personal testimony. When was the last time you took the Roman road or a gospel track and it shared one-on-one with the person how they could come to know Jesus Christ as Lord? We talk a lot about discipleship. We got a great ministry for men, real, tremendous. We got a great Sunday school. We got great Bible studies. We've got great discipleship studies. But my friends, none of it matters. We're really not being discipled if we're not fulfilling the prime mandate from our Lord to make disciples. We have a testimony to share. Don't belittle your testimony. I'll say just as an eight-year-old boy. I mean, I'd sin, 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 but it wasn't some, I didn't go out and become a drug addict, an alcoholic, or whatever it might be that you think you've done, but I was, I was lost, and I needed a Savior. And with, as I've told you before, right there with my mother, on the back porch of our house, no revival meetings go on, I took my head knowledge and put it into my heart and trusted Jesus to be my personal Savior, and God gave me that day the gift of eternal life. Have you received that free gift? You see, that's part of the reason we, be, we want our vitality and our joy restored so we will be able to witness to people. Now, not only have, do we know this, we have the spiritual armor, Ephesians chapter 6, verses uh, 10 through 17. We understand the spiritual armor we need to appropriate. What about a promise from God? Because we know that temptation comes to all of us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to everyone else. But God is faithful. This is so precious. God is faithful with the temptation will provide a way of escape. That's why you want to be living in fellowship so you'll be sensitive to His Word, sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, so you could respond, Oh, Father, I am tempted to do, and then you name it, and I will not yield to the temptation. And temptation is not sin, but it certainly can lead to sin. So we need to give God the temptation and say, I take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I surrender this desire, this emotion, this feeling, this thing I'm about to act on. I yield it to you. I appropriate the full armor so you can protect me. And then let's live in 2011 by the power and control of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote in Galatians 5:16, Walk or live by the Spirit. And what does he promise? You will not carry out the flesh, the deeds of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16. Yield your life to him. Acknowledge that he wants to work in your life. So I ask you in closing today, are you willing to be transparent? Are you willing to admit, God, this was my sin, and I admit it, and I'm truly sorry. I want to ask for your forgiveness based on your love and mercy. And I want to accept your forgiveness. You can walk out of here today forgiven as a Christian. You can walk out of here today if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can walk out of here with the gift of eternal life 
a new creation in Christ, one of God's children, and the Word of God will come a book to you that will be the plumb line to help you know right from wrong. So you can live your life in a way that is pleasing to God and blesses your life and all your relationships. Father, I pray today that if there are people who are hearing this message that have really never settled the issue of eternity, that today they would simply repent of sin and trust Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Thank you. Based on your word, Father, you have promised to give them the gift of eternal life, and I know you will. But, Lord, most of us in here today and many who are listening by television, we know you're your children. But we've lost our fellowship. We've lost our joy. We've lost our vitality. And we're willing right now today to bring that specific sin that is hindering our fellowship and our joy and ask you to forgive us. And by faith, we receive the restoration of our fellowship with you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. For those who have never trusted Christ, we'll be glad to talk with you. The, the, chair, the stairs down here are kind of like a prayer altar. Maybe you need to come and just pray and then go back to your seat. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to join First Baptist Church. We would love to have you in our fellowship. Let's stand and let's sing. You respond as God has touched your heart.